Service Brewing is a leader in Savannah's newest growth industry, craft beer. Kevin Ryan and Meredith Sutton opened their brewery and tap room on Indian Street downtown in 2014, even before Georgia law changed to allow brewers to sell beer on their premises. Today, Service Brewing is a must-visit destination for locals and tourists alike, and Ryan, a U.S. Army veteran and beer lover, is our latest difference maker. You know the organizations and businesses they lead. You might even know their faces, but do you know why they are Difference Makers? This is Difference Makers, a podcast dedicated to highlighting Savannah's key players and what they bring to our city, from leaders in the business community to those on the arts and culture scene, in philanthropy, in government, and in education. I'm Adam Van Bremer, editorial page editor of Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. Thank you for listening. Savannah is an entrepreneurial town. Settled almost 300 years ago by risk-takers who had succeeded in their professional lives and saw new opportunities along the banks of what is now known as the Savannah River. Service Brewing's Kevin Ryan didn't come to Savannah as a pioneer in the same way as General James Oglethorpe or George's original trustees, but he's helped create a new local industry centered around craft beer. Born in Kansas and raised in Maryland, Ryan's first career was in the Army. He attended and graduated from the U.S. Military Academy at West Point in 1996 and trained and served in Georgia, Alaska, and Colorado before a deployment to Iraq in 2003. After two commands in which he brought all of his soldiers home safely, he left the military to work with his father in the healthcare industry. His dad relocated that business from New York to Bluffton, South Carolina more than a decade ago, and Kevin, then 31 years old and single, elected to live in downtown Savannah and commute to the office across the river. It was in the historic district where he met the love of his life, Meredith Sutton, a SCAG graduate. When Ryan's father died unexpectedly in 2001, Ryan began to consider his next professional endeavor. He found it in a home brewing kit Meredith bought for him for Valentine's Day. Seven months later, the two began their plans to open Service Brewing, a brewery and tap house. We're happy to have the co-founder of Service Brewing, Kevin Ryan, with us today on Difference Makers. Kevin, let's start where we usually do with the difference makers and that's a little biographical information i think most people in savannah understand that you come from a a military background and and i let's let's stay with the military for a while how much of an adjustment i've heard that that whether it's whether it's plebe summer or you know whether you're in annapolis or west point or even out in colorado springs that it if you're not from that background it's quite a shot to the system can you kind of talk about that uh, well, if you've ever met my mother, um, it wasn't quite a shock. No, it was. <laughs> um, it, it, it's absolutely a life change. Um, but at the same time, there's you know there's a you, know, you don't have to think much about it. Like you have to be up at this hour. You have to do these things by this time. Uh, you have a very regimented schedule. There's not a lot of time for you to wander and think and and lose track of of what you're doing or things like that. I mean, time management is a huge. Um, adjustment. You've got to really get on top of time management to get all the things done that you need to get done. Uh, but I, you know, I went in with the with the you know all the yelling and screaming and the discipline is not directed at me personally. Mm-hmm. It is a part of mm-hmm. uh, the experience. And I, when you're not taking it personally, it's much easier uh, to get in line and yeah. uh, get through it. And then you, you know, one big thing is you can't stop time. So right. every day you're one day closer to graduation right. and. Uh, that helps out quite a bit when things 
things get a little tough. Yeah. How much did that education, and then on top of that, the, the eight years you spent after you completed the educational part of it, of your military career, how much of that is woven into your post-military career? How much of that, whether it's leadership or time management or just ambition, how much of, of that was learned in those 12 years or so? Yeah, I mean, uh, the military experience, the West Point and the military, active duty military experience have provided me phenomenal life lessons and things that I've been able to incorporate into my life as well as into my work. Um, coming into a healthcare management role in a, in, as an information officer, which I did, I knew as much as you know, some people know about their laptops, mm-hmm. um, it was a completely foreign environment for me, but I did know how to set priorities, how to organize people and their tasks and um, help them communicate with each other so that the jobs are getting done where everyone's in sync with the work and the priorities are in line. And then learn from there by listening. Um, just like as a second lieutenant coming into a, a new platoon in the Army, you're, almost, you know, you're one of the youngest people and certainly one of the least experienced in that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can't come into that group and tell everybody what to do and how to do it because they know a lot better than you. And so you have to manage that um, that knowledge base. Um, you have to have your you know common sense hat on to say, is this person you know being genuine or is this person trying to get the the green second lieutenant to right. believe something that's not true? So um, you you've got to have that. Um, you know, I, I tell people a lot of times it's like a teacher. You know, the teacher that is the most difficult and most um, disciplined at the beginning of the year um, gets the most respect from the students, and then you know, with that respect, they can become a little more easier going. And it's a lot like that mm-hmm. uh, in the military. And I've put a lot of those le- lessons uh, to work. Uh, but I also couldn't have done this uh, without the experience in the healthcare management side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the military. Uh, you've got guys you know, if they if they're not doing what what you want them to do, you can tell them to do push-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, can't, do that can't do that in the office. <laughs> so well, you um, could try. You could try. You're not gonna. You know, HR will be knocking on your door. So um, you know, we had to temper uh, how you interact with people, and and you know, in the military, you get experience in dealing with different people and their different motivations. Um, but you can also, you know, you have that that um, rank structure to to help you out in the in the civilian world working in the healthcare management side you know you you have similar challenges but you've also got people with with different backgrounds and different levels of sensitivity Mm -hmm. uh, that you have to deal with and and again recognizing how different people with different backgrounds are motivated Mm -hmm. The thing about military men and, and military women, I'm sure as well, is they like to blow off some steam. And I imagine that's probably where you developed your love for for your product, for beer. Well, yeah. I mean, I got uh, while I was at West Point, I went out to to the Air Force Academy to play rugby, um, mm-hmm. and that was where I was introduced to my first craft beer from New Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, so so the 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 love of craft beer started way back then. Um, and yeah, but I mean, I've always been a, a beer drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had you know those those days where you're trying to make the money go as far as you can, and then That's you right. have the days where you're like, you know, I'm going to, I can afford to enjoy the beer that I'm that I'm purchasing or the beer that I'm drinking. So, um, I'm lucky to have that experience and um, put that to work here at the brewery. Right. When you were 
developing your Bruce and then you're charting you're trying to develop your business plan and I assume you're probably looking for your hook and your hook ends up being service brewing in the military background was that always going to be a part of it or was that just something you said that is unique that's a differentiator for me yeah I mean uh, so you know I've always had a tie to the military um, since I started at West Point um, I think even before that I've always had a, a charitable mm-hmm. um, take on things I've always had a um, tried to, to incorporate charity into whatever I do um, going all the way back to high school so it was something that 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 my family um, and my community taught me early on so charity has always been a part of it being able to have that balance that service brewing has with being focused on taking care of the community um, those who serve their country those who serve their community uh, while providing honor but not being exclusive at the same time mm-hmm. um, is is really been a great differentiator for us because we're not alienating people through our mission um, because we are focusing on those who serve their country and their community mm-hmm. um, so uh, it's it's not loud it's not boisterous I think we're you know very humble in our approach um, and um, honoring all of those who serve their country and and all those who serve their community I think You've seen our How Do You Serve wall in the tap room, mm-hmm. and it's a great demonstration of what people in the community are doing. Uh, and I think it, it really opened my eyes mm-hmm. to how much and how many different things and different ways that people can serve uh, their community. Um, and so you appreciate your neighbor even that much more. Yeah. When you and Meredith started to work on kind of the branding angle of it, were you surprised impressed blown away by what she developed in terms of trying to tie what you were doing to service and and all just wrapping it all together uh well you know i'm i'm surprised and um uh really proud of all the work that meredith does her her creativity is boundless and um and so having her artistic background and being a jewelry designer is is one thing but her 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 dedication to perfection is um, is really amazing. So, um, not only is she um, being creative with how we present our brand and our image, but she's also making sure that it is well thought out, mm-hmm. um, so that the first thing that comes to mind is not the thing that we go with, because we want to make sure that we're looking at the second, third impact of that mm-hmm. that image and that brand. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really really awesome is um the tap handle project that uh, that we have with the 22 um one of a kind art patriotic themed tap handles and that's just okay. an expression of the creativity that's that's here in savannah and the the talent of the artists and for meredith to come up with that concept and to reach out to 20 to 21 artists that um would be willing and uh able to do that for us uh and put their work on display it's just a, a testament to to Maris' relationship with the art community. And her background's at SCAD, right? Yes, that's and, and which uh, You said you moved here as a single, or you moved across the river. Yeah. As a single guy, how did you guys meet, and how did that so, relationship So, um, funny thing, so this year, um, with the new laws in the tap room that allow us to sell pints of beer, will be the first year that we're supporting the Savannah Stopover Music Festival. So we'll have shows at the brewery uh, March 7th, 8th, and 9th. Mm-hmm. Well, Meredith and I met at the very first Savannah Stopover. Is that right? Uh, previously, I had been on a uh, an event where I had purchased a uh, cuff that she had 
she had made and the idea at the time was hey I'm supporting this this charity and eventually I'll have a girlfriend and I'll need to give this cuff as a <laughs> as a present yeah. and uh, so two weeks later I was at this fan stopover talking with somebody that I had met on that during that event and they pointed to Meredith out and said hey that's the that's the girl that made the cuff bracelet you won yeah. and so I went over and introduced myself and yeah. chased her around for the weekend and yeah. You know, that's our anniversary every year. Yeah, and the rest is history, right? <laughs> yeah. right? So you bought the cuff from her, Valentine's Day, 2012, 2011. She buys you the home brewing. What is that seven months like? Are you basically locking yourself? Or are, you, are you just completely enamored with it, or how did the passion Yeah, so as, as soon as I got the home brewing kit, you know, it was three five-gallon buckets, some tubing, um, you know, immediately I said, okay, well, what else do I need in order to make beer? So you go to the local homebrew store, and Gerald said, you know, gives you all the equipment that you need. And um, and so I made my first batch, and turned out really well. So the next weekend, I wanted to make another batch. And like every good homebrewer, every time you brew a batch, you've got to either uh, purchase another piece of equipment or build another device to so the next brew is is better or Much easier better. Yeah. or more efficient or cleaner. Uh, and so the, that's what I was doing. I was brewing one to two, maybe even three batches of beer every weekend. Um, I was building up the, the kit um, to make more beer at a time. I was building up the kit to make different styles of beer every time. You know, my mother, uh, I asked my mother for a chest freezer for for my birthday, and she thought I'd lost my mind. But you know, I wanted to make a lager style beer, and I needed to lager the beer at 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And the only way I could do that is with the chest freezer so mm-hmm. that's what i got there for my go. birthday Very good. so um the equipment just kept piling up as i was getting more and more into it and um so then we just started playing the brewery i mean it literally sat down googled how to, how to write a business plan downloaded some templates um and doing, started doing research started filling out the business plan you know, i think it ended up being like 16 pages of words and charts and right. um and then did the went out and started asking folks for money so that's the hard part then you got to start pitching it yeah. right well mm-hmm. does, did you get a lot of bemused looks or was everybody into it or uh yeah i mean you know I, mostly i called people that i'd served with that i'd worked with mm-hmm. um people i gone to to school with at west point and you know a lot of folks were you know they they, they recognized the craft beer is exciting mm-hmm. uh, they recognized the story um uh, and the mission to give back and and so they provided, um, you know, investment without trying the beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, other folks, you know, needed to have a taste of, you know, is this going to be any good or not? So, I mean, even a guy, uh, we've got one investor that's out in Northern Virginia who um, is was introduced to me by one of my classmates um, who's an investor. And he, he was in town, luckily, because one of his friends was getting promoted to a colonel. So... Uh, I brought him into that building on Indian and Farm Street that mm-hmm. where no improvements had been made, but I did have some small ba- batch of beer with me and gave him a try, and he's like, "Wow, I do like beer," mm-hmm. and um, so that's how we got him to invest. Wow, the building itself. Uh, we were talking before we came in here is in terms of locations, and granted, back in 2013 or 2014, you would have had to have a lot of foresight to, to kind of see that. Plant Riverside was going to become a, a high-end hotel. Another high-end hotel was going in across the street. SCAD is building 
all along that row, you've got luxury apartments coming in between where you guys are and the bridge. The post office, who knows what's going to happen to the post office. It's not going to be there forever, but it's probably going to be something pretty nice down the road. What were your impressions in 2013 <laughs> when you went in that building? Obviously, that wasn't on your mind, was it? No. Um, you know, we were you know, we were definitely in a place where we needed to find a, a, a building with a large amount of space that would allow us to get into, had the right ceilings, had the right water, was far enough away from a church and a school and a house that would allow us to have a brewery with a tap room. Mm-hmm. Um, very difficult to do. As you know, in the South, there's you know, you're never too far from a church. Mm-hmm. So... Um, being and we wanted to be in in the savannah area so that we were you know not far too far away for people to come and enjoy the tap room Mm -hmm. Um, because it is as much as it is a local place it is uh, very much tourism focused so Mm -hmm. we were looking at a lot of different places around town and we were finding that this place could work we could make this work uh and you know one morning lori judge our realtor called us and said hey we've got this this you know, 60,000 square foot building that's available. Uh, it's been on the market. There's offers in already, but you should take a look at it. And that was the old Coastal Paper Chemical Sale Company at the corner of Indian and Palm Street. And we walked in and immediately knew that that was the spot. Mm-hmm. It was way bigger than we wanted or needed, but we knew that that was the place that we could be for a long, long time. We weren't. We didn't think about oh all the economic development all the development that's going to come around us it was half mile from city hall a somewhat obscured view of the river Mm -hmm. but um very conveniently located and um so we said this would be perfect um and then what happened is what happens to a lot of breweries that go into a a underdeveloped area they set up shop they create a a bustling environment and then people build around them um we had no idea that Ghost Coast Distillery was going to come right. in across the street. We had no idea that luxury apartments were going to go up on both corners across the street. We had no idea about the Alita. We had no idea about Plant Riverside. But man, it's going to be it's going to be a great part of town. There's going to be a lot of activity uh, coming our way, and we're going to be very well situated to take advantage of it. So, and then the post office is probably going to be that the most valuable property in downtown Savannah. Yeah, yeah. It's it's probably before definitely before you were looking at that site but at one point they were talking about putting the arena there yes yeah when we uh when we were looking at the building um the post office was was owned by a private group um and they were talking about do they renew their lease do they not renew their lease and we were like wow this could really change everything right um so one day we'll get there right i want to i want to circle back and talk about the tap room and talk about kind of the evolution of of craft breweries and especially the laws in the state but before we do that i know that you've got let's talk a little bit about what you've got going on right now i know you've got some beers that have recently come out you've got some that are coming out you got some other events kind of talk to us around valentine's day is we're right around that time now what, what yeah so um january 27th we celebrated georgia beer day uh georgia beer day is designed for breweries around the state to to hold special events and raise money for the georgia craft brewers guild uh the georgia craft brewers guild is a guild that represents you know creates a unified voice for the brewers and brew pubs in the state of georgia uh and we need funding in order to um lobby for law changes and um and representation with the state so uh, we hold that event every year this year we released our uh, brewers release number four a chocolate cookie stout um brewed in collaboration with back in the day bakery mm-hmm. um and it is just a phenomenal 
and uh, phenomenal beer and it's five percent alcohol so people can really enjoy it. it's not a it's not a, a, a huge beer uh, and then folks that came to the tap room every time they ordered a chocolate cookie stout they got a back in the day bakery chocolate chip cookie to go with their stout so it's really special um, it just makes the beer that much more enjoyable when you mm-hmm. have a cookie with it uh, that much and more then, healthy too yes yeah. absolutely we're definitely on the <laughs> diet um, so all those dry January people really missed out and then um, February 14th we released the uh, Love Boat so the Love Boat is a bourbon barrel aged chocolate cherry stout so we've been brewing the chocolate cherry stout every year for Valentine's Day it's Meredith's favorite day of the year mm-hmm. And uh, so this year, with our barrel program up and running, we wanted to, to add a little bourbon flavor to that chocolate cherry stout. All of our bourbon barrel-aged beers are named after the nicknames of naval ships. Mm-hmm. So the Love Boat is the nickname of the USS Acadia. Uh, so we released that uh, on February 14th. Uh, we did an event with Big Bomb Pizza. They're always a great partner of ours. Um, and uh, beer and pizza, you can't go wrong. Mm-mm. Again, healthy. Yes. And then uh, coming up February 23rd uh, is our Old Guard release. So the Old Guard is a beer to guard. It's a French and Belgian style beer, um, really tasty, but it's also fermented with our house yeast. So back when we were playing the brewery, you know, we talked about differentiation earlier. We're looking for ways to differentiate us and differentiate our beer. Uh, we hired a group out of uh, the Clemson area called South Yeast Labs, and they came down to Savannah and set up traps all over uh, from here out to Tybee, see if they could harvest some local bacteria uh, that would serve well as a yeast for our beers. And uh, they took a sample of our honeycomb. We had honeybees at the time. Uh, they took a sample of our honeycomb, and that was the most viable yeast strain. It has a very Belgian-like character without the spice. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've used that in our grisette. We use it in our Old Guard Beer to Guard. We use it in an IPA. Uh, it's really tasty, but it's it's all local. So it's really a, a truly local yeast strain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes for some great beer. Charity, I know you guys are always involved in different things. Is there anything you're really engaged in right now? Uh, so right now we're working on the next charity. We've been supporting Warrior Ride out of Oak Island, North Carolina. They build bikes for disabled veterans uh, to get them out and, and help them ride. Uh, they have electric engines um, built into them as well. So if there's hills that, that they can't necessarily handle on their own, they can put the electric drive into place. And so um, they've been a great partner um looking at a charity called creative vets and it's built it's out of chicago but they also have um set up in nashville as well so with savannah stopover and the music um component this year um creative vets uh, will help veterans and with ptsd and will uh, if they're musicians they'll take them out to nashville for a three-day workshop on writing songs uh they can use pottery and other art um as uh, ways to cope with with um, their PTSD, and so having SCAD here in town, their mm-hmm. the phenomenal Yellow Ribbon program that SCAD does, having the music festival with not only Savannah Stopover but the Savannah Music Festival, thought that was a great way for us to bring uh, attention to uh, a great uh, charity like that. Yeah, that's great. I'm gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back and dive deep in with Kevin about the evolution of craft brewing in Georgia. <laughs> Difference Makers is brought to you by Nutrition with B-Ray, a local meal prep delivery service. Nutrition with B-Ray makes healthy eating easy by preparing meals with locally sourced ingredients and delivering them right to your doorstep. Our meals simplify portion control and are labeled with caloric and macronutrient counts. Learn more or try Nutrition with B-Ray today by visiting nutritionwithbray.com 
sending an email to fitnesswithbray at gmail.com or by calling 828-539-1842. That's nutritionwithbray.com is the website. You can email her at fitnesswithbray at gmail.com or call her at 828-539-1842. That's Nutrition with B-Ray. Back on Difference Makers with Service Brewing's Kevin Ryan. Kevin, you mentioned earlier the tap room, and when you were first looking at that site, the tap room wasn't even legal. <laughs> you know, I, I, I happened to be a business reporter at the time, and southbound actually coastal empire was here but southbound was really the 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 test brewery craft brewery in town in april 2013 the laws at that point said you just can't you can't sell you can't even have tours of your brewery and then and then sell beer you had to i think basically you had to give it away and even that it was very very limited in what you could give away right here we are five years later and your tap room is probably one of the busiest bar rooms in, in downtown Savannah. What did you think was going to happen? And uh, when you started your business, basically taking a leap of faith, what did you think was going to happen and how has it matched up with, with what is happening? So uh, when we opened uh, the brewery in 2014, the uh, you could have a tap room. There had been tap rooms in Georgia for a long period of time, but you could not sell anyone a pint of beer. You were allowed to give them up to 32 ounces of beer during an educational and marketing event. Mm-hmm. Um, so what most breweries did at the time was when folks came into the tap room looking to try some beer, they would purchase a glass mm-hmm. um, and drink their 32 ounces from that glass. Mm-hmm. So um, at that time, we were doing four-ounce pours into 13-ounce tulip glasses, and uh, the law allowed if you purchased a souvenir glass, you could bring it with you the next time you came to the tap room. So we had a lot of folks coming in, getting their free 32 ounces of beer every week, and um, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't help build the business. I mean, no. surely you can introduce people to a new beer that they'll drink at home or drink it at a bar, but um, from a revenue perspective in the tap room, uh, that was not going very well uh so we were through the guild we were able to get some um, law changes in uh july of 2015 the laws were revised that allowed us to sell tours and we Mm -hmm. could sell varying levels of tours uh, but the maximum you could uh, sell was a tour that came with 36 ounces of beer and a six pack of beer to take home or 72 ounces worth of beer that they could take with them when they left Mm -hmm. Uh, so that helped out quite a bit uh, certainly, you know, we weren't giving away free beer to, to folks that just came in with their glass every Thursday for their happy hour. Um, but it still limited people on their ability to consume the, the, uh, the amount that they could take home. And, and there was also that mental block of, I have to spend $12 in order to, you know, at least $12 in order to, to try this beer. So, um, they didn't, uh, it didn't generate the revenues it helps it didn't generate the revenues that typical tap rooms in other states are are seeing so we've continued to evolve and modernize the laws and uh in 2017 georgia was going to be the only state in the union that did not allow some type of direct to consumer sale right Uh, mississippi was the other holdout mississippi had announced that their wholesalers and their their brewers had come to an agreement that the, the the state would would agree to um, so Georgia came a lot, came around and, and passed that law as well. So currently, you can come into the tap room. You can purchase as much beer as we're 
willing to sell you uh, in the tap room, and then you can go home with up to a case of beer per person per day. Right. Limited to 3,000 barrels a year, mm-hmm. which is a lot. Um, there are there's one maybe two breweries in the state of Georgia that have the throughput and the, the number of people coming and uh, that they're going to hit get close to hitting that three thousand three thousand barrel limit. Um, but what we would like to see happen next is um, to expand these limits uh, primarily as to what someone can take home with them on any given day um, for a lot of reasons. There's not that many people that want to come in and buy multiple cases of beer. Mm-hmm. The, the majority of our taproom guests will buy a mix of six pack of beers to bring home with them to remember what they tried. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the charitable side of things, we have a lot of charities that are looking for support and service brewing is a big, a big part of uh, the community and supporting our charities. We supported this uh, just recently as uh, uh, supported the, the Savannah citizen advocacy program. And in order for me to support them with beer, I have to sell it to my distributor who then sells it to the charity, and then I write the charity a check for the beer that they purchased. So it's very expensive for me to provide that support, whereas if we had expanded uh, the ability for us to to, um, donate beer to that charity, they could come to the brewery, they could pick up the beer um, and allow us to provide the same level of support. They are at the same amount of charity, but you know, revenue out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it costs makes it much easier for us to support that charity, and then therefore our charity dollars can go further uh, in the community. So that's what we're hoping uh, is to expand those limits a little bit, uh, so that folks can can be supportive uh, of their communities as well as uh, the person who needs you know needs that. Uh, that beer for their charity can get it. Um, most most folks that are are bringing beer home to drink in their homes um, or for their parties are are stopping at their local retailer that's convenient to them on their way home. Especially with the brewery being in downtown Savannah, it's you're not going to find you know, beer that's not fresh uh, right. at those craft beer focused places. Right. Keep pull the curtain back for us a little bit. Uh, obviously, there was there's been some some craft brewers in georgia for for a long time and some some very famous ones i mean sweetwater terrapin uh new realm big names mm-hmm. and i assume they were probably driving the bus with the brewers guild at the, at the state legislature was was it like a coordinated attack was it <laughs> we got to win a couple legislators over and let them carry the ball can you shed some light on that uh so I have not had the opportunity to walk the halls um, and see how the how these things work, but um, generally, you know, what we try and do is we we try and have discussions before we take it to to the state and, mm-hmm. and have an agreement around what what we as a guild would like to do that the distributors and the retailers are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, when everyone's in agreement and you take it to the to the state, it's much easier for that bill to go forward and get it approved and go through all of the different steps that it has to go through to the governor's desk for a signature. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have things that that folks don't agree on, then it becomes, you know, whose who's lobbyists have the attention of which folks um, and how much can we educate? I mean, a lot of this really comes down to education. The more we can educate people on the laws and what they're – uh, how they impact uh, businesses is is what's important, um, and that's you know the lobbyists help us do that. But as a guild, we have breweries that that are in most every part of the state, mm-hmm. and um, a big part of our our work as a guild is to 
have those breweries be familiar with their local representatives. So mm-hmm. um, I've met with uh, Senator Jackson, uh, invited him to come to the brewery and come see what we do, how we do it, and um, you know, what we do for the community. And so the more they know about us and what we do and, and are educated about the challenges that craft breweries face in the state, the better they can uh, work on our behalf at the state. Right. Um, so when that bill comes before them, they're you know they're 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 educated as to why and what this bill means versus someone telling them you know well that you don't want that bill you want this other bill right exactly. Um, so we talked earlier about the selling to a consumer in the in the barroom side of it. Uh, that's only a piece of it. Maybe even a smaller piece is is how do you manage as a as a small operation getting your product out i know it's all over the state it's in the carolinas how do you get your your service brewing out to the masses so uh, with the in the state of georgia we work with uh, um, savannah distributing they've been a great partner of ours and they have sales folks all over the state that that call on uh, bars restaurants retailers for on and off premise consumption uh, and they represent you know they're kind of the first Line we we don't have the the sales reps that that can go and cover all of those places, mm-hmm. um, so they help us get our beer into those locations. But they also have a lot of products that they manage, a lot of SKUs that they represent. So not only you know is service brewing going to put out fifteen beers that mm-hmm. that um, Savannah Distributing might sell for us. Just imagine that times thirty two. Um, they have a lot to manage. They have a lot of things to think about in a very short period of time with that customer. Uh, to get an order commitment and move on to the next place. So our sales reps are out building the relationships with retailers as much as we can. Obviously we want to, we'd love to be in every restaurant and every retailer and every spot that could potentially carry our beer, but we just can't cover that much ground. So, um, you know, we, we go in and we, and we use, um, you know, our sales reps make the relationships at the at the retailer level, but we also use our events and mm-hmm. and um, our community involvement to help build that recognition, so that people know that service brewing is more than just a can of beer. There's a lot lot behind the, the brand. There's a lot behind the brewery. Um, certainly, our Georgia Beer Day events, uh, our support of the, the citizen advocacy, our support of the UGA Marine Extension, our support of Osba Island. You know, we do a lot of things that are community focused in order to to introduce our beer to more people Uh, and that's really you know when people have a positive experience with the brewery with the beer uh, they come into our tap room they learn more about us then you know we have a greater share of mind with that individual and that's really is like we we want to um, have a larger share of mind with those folks yeah it's interesting how it's worked out with the distributors because i think that was the hold up but not i think that was the hold up for a long time with the laws changing was is you know the distributors basically had the license to to be the middleman for beer distribution and you know they wanted to hold on to that but i think you guys have found a happy medium right i, I think we have found a happy medium I, you know uh, there are when I opened up in 2014, there were 3,400 breweries in the country. There's now 7,100. Um, a thousand breweries opened up in the United States in 2018. Um, we're certainly seeing more breweries closing than we have in the past, but the the opening rate is far far exceeding the closing rate. Uh, 85% of the population lives within 10 miles of a brewery. So uh, with that, you know the distributors have a lot more um, to deal with and and 
I think 75, 73% of those breweries that are out there make less than a thousand barrels a year. So it's harder for those distributors to manage all of that. Mm -hmm. So for them to be able to focus on larger volume, bigger products that they can move more of to, to, um, earn the revenues that they need to earn, um, the better. So they, you know, it would be easier for them to have fewer SKUs to manage. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think we are in a happier medium, uh, certainly, you know, a much better, relationship for for everybody after we came to an agreement for the first time in a long time um the distributors serve a serve a great purpose for us uh to help us get you know they do help us build our brand they do get our name out there they do manage a lot of logistics that that we don't have to worry about Uh, when it comes to delivering kegs and opening accounts and taking checks and receiving checks and picking up picking up empty kegs and having trucks with refrigerators on them and drivers and the insurance there's a lot that goes into it and Uh, so we appreciate the uh, what they do, and at the same time, you know, sometimes you don't feel like you get the attention that you deserve, and sure. so um, that's where we have that's to have that balance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I imagine that makes you be pretty strategic too, right? Because as a craft brewer, you want to make a different beer every week if you could, but if you're working at a distributor, you probably need to have four or five or six that they're really going to push for. Right. You. Yeah, I mean, you have to have your staples. You have to have the things that people know. You know, people get very emotional about their beer. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, if somebody loves our Compass Rose IPA, mm-hmm. then they will try another beer. Um, they may go out to Crystal Beer Parlor and order a pint of, of some new beer that just came out. But then they're going to go home, and they're going to have the six-pack of Compass Rose in the fridge. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we need to have those beers that people love and, and we continue to make consistently and, and um, are well done. Um, the Making a new beer every week is exciting and fun and challenging, um, and most of them are winners. But you know, to build that audience, right. um, you, can't, you can't make a new beer at that scale every week. That's right. Let's wrap up here and talk a little bit about science. I know that um, you have your own bees, or at least we you did, did at yeah. one point you had a at one point you had some uh, almost a, a hop garden or were attempting to have a, a hop garden what is it about uh, particularly the bees you, you've mentioned a, a little bit earlier you talked about the yeast and bacteria and all of this stuff that's way over my head where where does that kind of come together and how does that make your beer differentiate your beer well so you know there there's Folks are making new beers all the time, and there um, there's folks who are going back in history and looking at historical men, uh, recipes and bringing those beers back to the forefront. And then there's folks that are pushing the limits on new beers and what what you can and can't put in beer. You know, people put in um, wood chips from bats. People have put fried chicken. People have put food grade glitter in their beer. Mm-hmm. Um, constantly trying to create a buzz and some differentiation. And so for me, I think. Um, when I was doing my research on on making beer, yeast really stuck out to me as a, as a great opportunity to differentiate your beer from other folks. And so that's why I hired Southeast Labs to come and find a yeast strain that we could make our own and license it as our own. So it was, you know, the only beer fermented with this yeast comes from service brewing. Um, and so we're, we're in that process now of, you know, looking at different yeast strains and how it impacts the beer it can be up to 90% of the flavor that you get from a beer, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the style of beer that you're making and the type of yeast that you're using. And so it's really, um, it is a, a little bit scientific and we, you know, we've got an assistant brewer who's got a degree in brewing sciences. And so our lab is expanding and, 
um, it's really exciting to see what opportunities lie ahead with that. My last question has to do with the role that service uh, other craft breweries and other distilleries and opening in town are, are starting to play a larger role in our tourism business here. Is that something you anticipated and, and how much potential is is there for you to help them and them to help you? Uh, I think it's uh, definitely something we anticipated in 2014. Beer tourism was on the rise for sure. Asheville and Portland um, and places for, like that, right? Absolutely. Destination cities for craft beer. Um, but with so many breweries in the country now, whether somebody's on vacation or somebody's traveling for business, if they enjoy craft beer, they're going to search out the Seek local out, craft yeah. brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's a great opportunity for tourism is um, – to bring people into, you know, if you have a beer city, if you have a brewery that um, folks are really excited about, that's going to bring more people to your town. Mm -hmm. Whether they're coming in for a night on their way to some other place or they're coming in for business or they're making this part of your vacation, um, craft beer can be a big part of it. If you go to, um, I'm sure there's other states, but the one I've personally seen is Virginia. If you go to the state of Virginia website or their chamber website, they have a whole craft beer trail map right. developed where, you know, hey, come to Virginia, drive around, and tour all of these craft breweries. And and that's where we're going. And so I think, you know, uh, craft spirits, craft beer um, are really a big part of, of tourism these days. And with Savannah having more than 13 million visitors a year and growing, uh, it's a great opportunity for us to support that desire uh, for folks on you know, on vacation or, or looking for craft beer and being on a walkable downtown, but also um, our beer creates an opportunity for us to introduce more people to Savannah. So um, we talked about at the end of 2018 and part of our planning is that, you know, we have, there's influencers, writers, bloggers Mm -hmm. all over the country that are looking for stories about craft beer. Uh, So as we get ready to release a new beer, we're going to uh, then send a little bit of savannah with that with that beer so not only is the individual getting uh an introduction to service brewing based out of savannah georgia but they're also getting a little introduction to savannah as well yeah and savannah's name carries some serious cachet sure the country yeah all right now for sure well kevin i could probably talk to you for another hour but we better wrap we have it up to have and, a beer yeah we have to have a couple <laughs> of beers but uh maybe we'll have part two down the road but thanks for thanks for taking the time and, and coming in Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Difference Makers podcast, a production of the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. Post a new episode every other Friday, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also publish a daily news and opinion podcast called The Afternoon Commute. Search for The Commute with that Savannah Opinion and subscribe to our podcast today.